Blog Talk Radio. Anyone charged with a criminal matter has the right to have their case heard before. A judge or judicial officer of the court is entitled to a fair and public hearing by a competent, independent and impartial court. Have strict court rules enforced such as the right of reply, rules of evidence, and be found innocent or guilty beyond reasonable doubt. Yet, our most vulnerable can have their rights, assets, and decision-making rights removed by a public servant of the state, not a judge, in a tribunal setting that can ignore evidence and facts and determine matters as they see fit and conclude matters based on probabilities alone. Are you scared yet? Good evening, everyone. And this is going to be a show to top all shows here. We are, of course, are going to be talking about things of the extension of guardianship, hospice, and everything. What is the end run on this? And I think, uh, thanks to Marcia Southwick's research, we've discovered actually what it is. Um, I'm Marty Oakley. This is the TS Radio Network. And Marcia Southwick is our guest this evening. She is director of the National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse. And with this is, uh, I, I can see many, many of you have signed on here. And we have many more in waiting. There's nothing I can really do about that um, because I can only handle so many on the board. But we are packed. Um, if you want to come on air and I'm not lo- logging you in, um, send me a message on Facebook. And... Um, I'll, I'll find your number and open you up. But this is just one of the – we had talked about this here. Um, oh, this last year, Marsh and I did a couple of shows, and it was about this. We touched on this and what was going on and, you know, what what was happening. And Marsh has done much more research. And, oh, I just got a question here. Um, how did we do at the summit? We did excellent. Our panel was very, very well received and attended, even though there seemed to be a concerted effort to stop people from accessing the panel. Um, thanks to Chris over in Australia, she recorded the panel, and we got it up anyway. But, no, we, we did quite well. And um, for everybody that's complaining and about what's going on there, uh, things will be different this next year. You're going to see a lot of changes. Um and a whole new organization coming up. Uh, this has just gotten to the point, uh, the organization that's trying to take all this over basically is trying to monetize this issue and make a buck. And that's not what we do. So just stay tuned. We'll have news for you as things get put together. Been working on it for some months now. And I'll have, like I say, I'll have an update on everything here probably in the next month. Anyway, going back to our topic tonight. Uh, this brokering of body parts, uh, this scares me to death. You know, people keep harping at me all the time. You should mention God. We're a Christian nation. If you can look at what's going on in our society at the hand of our government against its own population, particularly, particularly the disabled and the elderly, and now, of course, children are a prime target, uh, abortion whether you're for it or against it, they will never totally end it. And the reason they won't is because 
there is big money in those body parts. And uh, so with the, all of that being said, yeah, okay. all that being said, um, Marsha, I'm going to let you, before yes. we get really rolling on this, um, okay. give a background, okay, on okay. what all this is about. Go First ahead. of all, I'd like to thank you so much for the uh, for including me on the Whistleblower Summit panel. I really uh, was very excited about it and, you know, probably so enthusiastic about it, I took over too much. I talked too much. But, you know, what are you going to do? It was wonderful. It was really good. Anyway, uh, so what, what occurred to me is I came across this article, uh, an investigation that Reuters did, 2017, and it's just struck me that it's about profiting from vulnerable from people who are vulnerable and um when i thought man i i don't understand this this is happening everywhere so let me look into it so the truth is that selling bodies for profits has been around a long time you know uh, because dissection of cadavers is used as the core teaching tool uh for surgeons and doctors and dentists and everything. And as a teaching tool, it's been used for centuries, right? And in the 1500s and 1600s, the the medical schools started to flourish. They really started to understand the human body. And, you know, it was good in the sense that how to to fix somebody uh, was really improving suddenly. Um, But on the other hand, they needed these um, cadavers to to do their training, right? And so basically it was looked down upon to use cadavers. And then, I mean, but they had been used forever. But in 1537, after the Pope, uh, who was, uh, I've forgotten, Clement VII, except that he decided dissection was okay for anatomical studies. So all of a sudden it just proliferated so much that places like England, um, they passed an act to legalize dissecting executed murderers, and they were usually hung. So they had the whole body, right? And then I I looked this up in PubMed history, said that after that, it significantly increased the number of, the government significantly increased the number of crimes punishable by hanging. You know, and that still wasn't enough to fill the need. So these people, these teams, either they were teams or individuals, they were called resurrectionists, okay? And they emerged to sell, uh, to rob graves to get bodies that were sold to medical schools. Everybody kind of knows about this because plays have been written about it and stuff. Dylan Thomas wrote about it in, other, in their movies about there's one really famous case that happened in the 1820s and it was these two guys who started, you know, they made arrangements with this guy at an anatomy school and they started robbing graves and selling the bodies for about, I think it was 10 times. They sold that body for 10 times what they were making in their regular jobs. And so they said, well, the hell with this. Let's just go out and kill a bunch. So they murdered like 16 people just to get people to, to get their bodies. So, you know, and there were tons of cases like that. It wasn't a lot. There was a gang in of grave robbers in London that got bodies for really prominent medical schools at the time in London. It was crazy. Then 
the uh, the parliament started allowing unclaimed corpses of the poor, uh, corpses of the poor to be removed from workhouses and charitable hospitals and so forth and places where incompetent psychiatric cases and stuff like that they've started doing that and so that law um still didn't really do much you know things were still going on and uh the, the grave robberies still started, and mainly from the graves of the poor because they couldn't afford coffins. This is occurring in Europe. It's also occurring in the United States, big time in, in New York, apparently. And the rich at the time, they would use, sometimes they would use iron coffins to prevent the grave robberies. Do you believe that? Or they'd hire a watchman to be at the grave. You know, I don't know how widespread this was, but it's just a, that is a little tidbit. And then they started, there was widespread use of mentally incapacitated people who died, followed by all these marginalized groups like um, very poor, impoverished uh, immigrants, and then slave owners, okay? Slave owners who they would sell the bodies of their slaves once they died. And you can imagine um, how it's progressed from there. The U.S. pretty much followed the same path, except that Britain obviously abolished the slave trade back uh, way before uh, the U.S. did. So in the U.S., they were doing the slave, they were, uh, you know, using slaves and other people too. And they, before the railroads, they had to use horse and carriages. It was really a drag. But then when the trains came, they started developing these incredible networks to to uh, ship these bodies around. Um, and, you know, so you can see how this, so now that, I know that all that I I realize this isn't a new thing. It's existed for forever with the reasoning that dead bodies are putting being put to good use, which they really are, to be honest with you, on the surgeon's end and the anatomical end, I believe that they're pretty ethical. They're they're not people out there except that there must there are probably private people who are, you know, desecrating bodies and so forth, but I don't believe that the medical institutions are the doctors themselves. My own father, um, he was chief of orthopedic surgery at Yale in the 60s. And he used to um, work with, he would teach with cadavers. So it's something that they have to do. You can't open a body, a live body, without knowing as much as you can about the anatomy, you know. And uh, he even went so far as to convince my brother when he was 16 to have a summer job removing femurs from cadavers. And my brother was just so freaked out he couldn't do it. But, you know, doctors have a different attitude towards the body than, um, than, than others because they're, they, they heal people. And that's a good mission. My dad would, I mean, I remember having somebody call, a woman call me near, when dad was near death and said, you know, your dad, um, I had gone all over the country and I hadn't been able to have anybody to, to to uh, repair my spine after a severe accident, and I was a marathon runner. And I said, "Wow!" So what happened? She said, "One guy said, well, there is this guy at Yale who could probably take it on. He's kind of a a renegade. He'll probably do it." And he did. And she now she's a marathon runner again. So the power of anatomy to help science and to help people who really want to do good is great. The problem is that What's happened is that these there's no regulation now. Um, 
And, you know, by, by my dad's time, people were willingly donating their bodies. You know, they had willed donor programs and stuff like that. And profit really wasn't involved as far as people knew. But gradually it started coming to light uh, later that trading body parts for profit was going on out of sight like crazy. And there were spotty, spotty reports going on since the, you know, especially early 2000s, it started coming out. And then in 2004, it was discovered that, and, and a friend of mine wrote about this for the New York Times. I saw her yesterday, but um, the bodies taken in by the Wills Body Donation Program at UCLA, the head of the department was selling those parts to body brokers. The body brokers would take these parts and they would sell them, and they would they would just get them out of the freezer, the body parts out of the freezer, sell them, and then send the the head of this program uh, uh, cashier's checks in exchange, right? So he's getting kickbacks, and he cut up 800 cadavers and sold parts to 100 clients. Who those clients are, I don't know, but they're probably these middlemen. Their middlemen come in. They're just like the uh, resurrectionists. They come in and um, and they they make these arrangements, okay? And so this guy created a big scandal at UCLA and all over the country. So and so you know that there are these other there are plenty of businesses out. You know that this is not the single case. You just know it. You know how you smell that out. You just know that it's the tip of the iceberg, right? And so in 2017, Reuters did a huge investigation on the sale of body parts, and it turns out that there are only a few states that regulate it. It's a little better now, but back then there were only four states that uh, regulated it all, and nothing federally, nothing prevents a body broker from doing his job, his or her job. And right now, Believe it or not, only now is there a bill in Congress to rein it in. And what it entails is that, you know, registration of body brokers, they, they uh, you know, they have to do things by a standard. They have, you know, they want data transparency, almost the same things as they want in guardianship. They just want regulation and uniformity, you know, because this is crazy. So the thing is that most people think of uh, – of non-transplant body uh, donation, whole body donation as being the same as organ donation. It's not. Organ donation is really regulated by the federal statutes and state statutes. However, when it comes to non-transplant body parts, it's literally a free, a free-for-all. It's like the Wild West out there. So anyway, starting in 2013, Reuters started investigating and they came out out with a report that a private body broker business in Arizona um, worked by offering free cremation if a family couldn't afford a funeral. So it's mainly targeted at they go into funeral homes and they they make arrangements with um, morticians and mortician gets a little kickback and then and the uh, body broker gets the body, the middleman. He sells, he chops that body up into six parts and sells the individual parts for a lot of money. There's a price list. I mean, it's inflation is probably done a number on that. It's probably way up. Uh, it's not as lucrative as organ 
you know, organs can sell on the black market for $175,000. And there, I was looking at the funeral, uh, what is it? The training, funeral training services or some organization, and they were saying that there's a lot of underground business in that through the dark web. And there's a particular site they mentioned that where a lot of it happens. But anyway, um, so anyway, they offer, uh, they offer this to a family, and then they sign a consent form to allowing the body to first be used for medical research, and then it will be returned for cremation, right? So really, the issue is consent, and they consent, but they don't know what's going to happen. And the truth is, once you die and once your body is taken out of it, you don't really know what goes on. You don't. And but anyway, cremations cost about seven thousand dollars, and who you know, if you can't afford it, what are you going to do? So these brokers are like grave robbers. They create these pipelines for bodies by working with hospices, nursing homes, funeral homes, um, and and all kinds of other organizations. So and whoever provides that body to them gets a kickback, just like the guy at UCLA did. So anyway. This case in 2013, I think it was Arizona, this family decides to donate mom's body to science because they think, you know, she'll help medical schools and it's noble and it's wonderful. And then the Reuters reporter investigated what happened to her particular body, you know, somehow tracked it that had been sold to the army for roadside bomb experiments. And they basically strapped this lady, mom, to the seat of a truck or a tank or something, and then studied what happened to her body when they blew her up. The effect of a, a landmine or a bomb on the side of the road. Can you imagine like how the, the family? Like would, so the family, the family found out only from the Reuters reporter. Now that's sickening, you know. And so they started to invest for, investigate further, and here's what they they discovered. Okay, in southern Nevada, there was a guy. Somebody called the health department because there was a really bad smell uh, in a house or a warehouse next to them. And so the health department arrived and they found a guy in medical scrubs hosing down a torso on his lawn. Okay. And there was blood and tissue flowing into the street gutter and it was kind of meandering past the school and some shops and stuff. You know, it was shocking. So they, they, you know, they're all upset. They're going to prosecute. And then they they ended up saying, well, you know what? We don't have any laws against this. You've done nothing wrong. They couldn't. The only way they really could get these people is through the consent, uh, the improper consent. You know, in other words, they consented to one thing, but they did another with the body. They didn't. They weren't getting them. They couldn't get these. They can't people on desecrating a body they're usually not not you know that what happens to a body after death really isn't regulated so anyway you know what happened in the end of the case they cited him for a pollution violation because you know chopping up bodies and selling them for profit's not illegal and the same thing happened in new mexico in 2006 oh go give that they to found Papa. they found hundreds of body parts and bodies in this warehouse, uh, oh, I know what happened. They discovered it because it was a, 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 a truck full of heads 
and body parts was was found in Kansas with tags on them, and the tags were from this place. So they knew they'd come from that place in New Mexico. So they arrested him, they charged him with fraud, and then in the end, the attorney general was recorded saying by a reporter to a reporter that, you know, in the end, they haven't done anything. We don't have any law that protects people from this. So it's pretty crazy. So murders calculated at least 50,000 bodies between 2011 and 2015 were chopped up into at least 182,000 body parts. Not only for sale, though, Marty, they could rent them. In other words, they send out a head to be used once, then it comes back, they send it out again, and they're sent to all different states. So your head might be in Arizona, and your leg might be in Texas, and your your you know, I don't know, your arm might be somewhere else. It's just, you know, and families obviously aren't going to know that, right? So anyway, um, so they discovered that anybody could go into the business of body of selling body ports. Nobody watches it. Nobody investigates it. Um, sounds familiar, doesn't it? In a lot of cases, uh, they just use a chainsaw because it's a lot cheaper. There's nothing... You, there's nothing against the law about using a chainsaw to chop up a body. I mean, there's just something, because it's cheaper than a surgical saw, I came across three or four cases like that. So it's just, uh, and meanwhile, okay, so here's another case in Detroit. There's a broker named Arthur Rathbone. He was running a big business. He was caught six times with heads in a truck going over the border, the Canadian border, and he wasn't arrested. And these were bloody heads. And then um, he, he, the Delta Airlines, I think it was, called up the person that a, that a cooler, there were these coolers, bloody coolers, leaking, you know, leaking. And, and it turned out that, you know, he hadn't picked them, or the, yeah, he hadn't picked them up at the airport. Can you imagine? And so they investigate him again. He gets off. And then finally they stay, uh, I think after that, actually, that he, that he got investigated. And the FBI agents that went into this facility had to have PTSD therapy because of what they oh saw. God. And they saw, this is just, just amazing. I, nobody could really figure out why anyone would do this, but a small woman's head had been sewn onto a big man's body. And they found bags. They found a bag of of dicks and heads. Oh my God! Stacked up on one of the, another. I mean, it was just the most grotesque thing, and it just wow. shows you how. And also, he got basically charged with fraud, but not for desecrating okay. bodies. Um, okay. And he had connections. He had connections for th- with three or four states, but the problem was he was also selling bodies and parts to these seminars. And they were infected with AIDS or hepatitis, you know? Oh. So, you know, uh, it's just totally out of control. Totally out of control. Marcia, this... and it... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, um, and just another case recent was, and this goes back to the fact that in the early days of anatomy studies, you know, in the 1500s, especially after the Pope approved it, um, there were no you know, the religious objection wasn't there. They would have these crowds, huge crowds at these 
autopsy events studying the body, you know, and there would be tons of people watching in an arena. There, there are paintings oh of it that show it. And anyway, so that's still true today. In Oregon, one lady found out, this is unbelievable. Um, one lady found out that her husband had been rent, you know, she donated his body to one of these organizations, not knowing what was going to happen. And, um, and found out that he was, this autopsy was broadcast to anybody online who would pay $500. So this guy not only made money in other ways, but he held this online, it was called deathscience.org, who advertised this thing and they held it. And she found out about it and was just obviously completely freaked out. And the thing is, um, the other side of this, and this is Reuters has done a follow-up, and I haven't read it yet, but I did find out that a lot of hotels and um, a lot of hotels and big outfits hold these conferences where doctors are training on cadavers, and they do it in these hotels. And they did it at, for example, the, the Disney Yacht and Beach Club Resort in a ballroom, you know, where weddings are held and stuff. And uh, and the body brokers supply the parts to these big conferences. And there are no guidelines. There are no guidelines. Right. Usually, you know, the hotels put plastic sheets on the floor. But but this one doctor said, well, yeah, but when they cut through a knee, bone pieces are flying all over the place, all over the walls. So... Now there are special companies that come in. <laughs> this is so sick. I don't know why I'm fascinated by this, but I think it's that human behavior is so, uh, it, there's something so unaware and no conscience about what's happening. You know what I mean? It's just this, I don't know. So uh, this infectious disease doctor said at one of these, do shoes become contaminated on a carpet where, you know, next day you're going to have a right. wedding and a one-year-old crawls across the floor. Yeah. I mean, this is just, you know. Marcia, you know, hearing all yeah. of this, and we've talked about this um, yeah. in these guardianship cases, you know, where the guardian, when someone has already pre-planned their funeral, paid for it and everything, mm-hmm. will cancel those plans and supposedly institute right. a plan of their own. Now, why would you do that? I mean, there's so many oddities in guardianship. Right. The, the rationale is just not there. And so for this to happen, it makes me wonder when we hear of families saying they didn't tell us for three weeks or four or five weeks that mom right. or dad or whoever had passed away. Oh, no, by the way, we had them cremated. There's no evidence that they did. And right. this this is turning my stomach, honestly. This is turning my stomach to hear this because you know what's actually happening. You know, if these people... Well, you know, you can't. It's, I thought to myself, yeah. okay, I thought to myself, I can't prove it, but let me dig into this a little bit. And so the biggest company, private company at the time back in 2017 was a company called Science Care, and they recruit bodies through online ads, funeral homes, hospices, the typical thing. And what was so weird about it was the owner of this... Um, company stressed he was really into quality and uniformity and his his uh what do you call it his uh meme was 
we got to do this, like model this business after McDonald's because you want it to be that wherever, you know, when you go somewhere and you get a Big Mac, it's, it's the same whether you're in San Francisco or in Louisiana, and we have to use that business model. So we developed a way to uniformly cut these bodies up. And then they joined a, an organization called the American Association of Non-Plant Transplant Tissue Something Studies. And um, it's an accreditation organization that doesn't have any teeth, but it has standards of uh, guidelines and, and right. uh, best practices. Sounds sounds a lot like what we have in guardianship right now. No enforcement, yes, right? Yes. But but the people right. who follow that those procedures, there are people who do follow them. They're the two big companies that were mentioned in the 2017 article. I thought, let me just let me just check out. It was called Science Care, the one that was modeled after McDonald's. The owners sold off, sold it um, in 2016 to some other company, and they bought two homes in Scottsdale. They bought, um, they brought in over 12 million dollars between in two years, and they bought like a custom airplane and a vacation home and Telluride. I mean. The the whole idea is that it's not legal to sell a body, but it's legal to charge fees. It's a little bit like the fetal tissue donation thing that we've talked about, where they chart. There was that expose about one conference where they were talking about selling fetal tissue, but really you can't sell it. You can only charge fees for preparation, shipping, blah blah blah. But I'll be damned if they don't come out twenty seven million dollars. You know, with huge profits. Right, you, right. You know, so how does that happen, you know? But anyway, well, Marcia, so, so, yeah. Well, you remember that, I think it was up in um, Pennsylvania, actually, which seems to be a hotbed of evilness. But they busted that doctor up there that when they went in, there was blood all up the walls and on the floor. And here were jars full of babies' feet and heads and oh, everything else. I remember else. that case. Yes. Yeah. Was that Detroit, yes. too? Was that Detroit? Yeah, I believe I think it, it was, was Detroit. Yeah. Yeah, it was Michigan, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I remember that, and everybody was just appalled. But what concerns well, me here yeah. is is the mindset of the public. They have become so inert of uh, of these things going on. It just gets worse by the day. More gruesome, more grotesque, and people just start yes. accepting it. And um, well, I don't I, think I they a... know. This is I certainly was shocked as hell when I first came across yeah. guardianship abuse, and certainly yeah. when I came across this. And what it yes. does is confirm that, um, you know, there's an there's sort of a weird. I mean, when you're looking back at history, it's kind of like a gang thing. You know, they were gangs right. doing this, and I think, you know, obviously that's what happened in Nevada. Um, so you've got to wonder because they built like, for example, Rebecca Farrell, um, created all these, uh, relationships with hospitals, hospices, the same yes. thing, right? Funeral homes. So you got to yep. wonder, okay, so I thought, you know what? I'm going to find out if guardians could possibly donate a will on right. donate. If you didn't do it yeah. in your will and you didn't have a power of attorney, could a guardian donate your body to, to, for whole body donation to one of these, you know, I don't know if they're restricted to universities or but, what, but 
here's what I found out, okay? So I called that company. I called Science Care, posing as a person whose mom was in the hospital or in hospice. And I said, um, so I call them and, and a computer voice, this is amazing, computer voice comes on and it says, for a patient who is deceased, press one. If you are in hospice, press two. And if you'd like to be a future donor, press three. So I press two and I, this really nice lady named Lucy or something said, oh, how can I help you? You know, and I said, well, mom's in hospice and she's not conscious and she's about to leave us. If I'm our healthcare power of attorney, could I donate her to your company? She said, yes. And I said, if I'm her legally appointed guardian, can I donate her? And she said, yes. And then she walked it back and she said, no, actually not all states allow it. And I said, well, which states do allow it? And she said, uh, do, do allow it. And she said, well, it'd be a lot easier to list the ones who don't allow it. And only 10 states don't allow it. And then I said, well, what about New Mexico? And she said, no, I'm sorry. You know, New Mexico doesn't allow it, but you could probably do make arrangements with another state that does. And I said, oh, that's so disappointing. She said, I know, I'm so sorry. And I said, me too. And then I hung up. So oh my it God! Just this shows just... you. Okay. Oh, here's yeah. something to round out the whole story. This is funny. Okay. So then I thought, all right. So there's this American Association of Tissue Banks that certifies people. So let me just check them out. I open I open up the site, and I look at the board of directors, and this company, Science Care, has is on the board. This guy from Science Care, and and it says in his bio that before becoming the vice president of laboratory operations at Science Care, he had worked in restaurant operations for quality and assurance. Sounds like McDonald's. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just thought that was quite the round out, yeah. the round out for this yeah. story. Here's a guy yeah. from the restaurant business. Just disgusting, yeah. the whole thing. It is. But you know, Marcia, we have seen over the last few years, uh, Wyoming, I believe it is, and Maryland have passed laws that you can starve and the, to death the mentally ill and those with dementia. And it, it's okay, you, you know, they're costing us money and just go ahead and withhold the food and let's get them out of here. And there again, in reading through the bills, the disposal of the body was up to yeah. the medical institution. And um, whatever institution what, was... What, you mean hospice or whatever? Yes. You mean wherever they were, they were? Yeah. They, um, yeah okay. they, they were up... It was up to them to decide. But, you know... Um, I, so they could I sell it. They could be selling it. Yes. Like the guy at yes, UCLA, and, they could be selling it. Yes. You don't know. And I got a feeling that's uh, what's happening to a lot of people. Um, you know, they're they're deceased family member or friend or whomever it was, um, it just, you know, I interviewed that Barry Tom. I brought him up here the other night from Alabama, mortician. And this has mm -hmm. been some oh. years back. Yeah. And yeah. he had been on the whistleblower show on CBS, which finally got taken down because it was such a rigged mess. And, um, but he had started noticing as he was preparing bodies for funerals 
that they were missing bones and tendons and brains mm-hmm. had been mm-hmm. removed and this and that and something else. And he went to the owner of the company he worked for and said, something's going on here. The guy fired him. So he's telling a friend of oh, his. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He's telling a friend of wow. his what had happened. And uh, the friend said, I have a friend at the FBI. You need to go tell them what's going on mm-hmm. here. So he did. Mm-hmm. The FBI files a case. And they were awarded whistleblower awards, which is 10% of the value that the, the government got done out of. It isn't for any benefit for the public. It's did the government get cheated out of it, and this is called a key time case. And mm-hmm. so he, they, they estimated $14 million. He should have got $1.4, and of course the man got nothing. Uh, the attorneys took everything. But this was the first I heard of this raiding bodies for their internal organs. But it's like we had that Dr. Oh, John Oh, was he on. charged with, sorry, was he, um, because I've heard of putting, a, you know, they do things like plasticine or something. They do something yeah. that, I don't know, I don't even want to talk well, about. Well, it's, it's, it's um, look, usually, initially I know they, they so had, they, uh, he was selling organs? He was selling everything he could. and um, Okay, but so if he sold organs, just, that's how they got him. Yeah. If he had well, just sold the bit legs and the arms, he would have been fine. But he sold an organ, yeah. and you can't do that. And there, there well, are pretty strict laws. And if you look through guardian statutes of cases, there are these cases actually where a kid's under guardianship, his older brother's dying, and can they, the older kid wants to donate a kidney to the younger brother. You know, one of them's dying, I forget which, but, you know, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. So, but with this, I looked up the statute in Florida, and sure enough, it says that guard. You know, in an order, there's an order in which people are allowed to be the representative of somebody yeah. who needs a body donator or wants. You know, and guardians are on that list. But, but, but. Florida, New York, are probably the most regulated states in this area. So, uh-huh. uh. You know, you don't know. I, I even I was shocked. I called Elaine Renoir yeah. and I said, "Whoa!" Blah, 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 blah. And she said, "Now wait a minute, wait a minute. You gotta investigate. <laughs> you, uh, you know, into this a little more before you say you've proved it. You haven't proved it. I haven't proved it. Yeah. Not only that, uh, you know, with uh, the tipper for me to even think about this, and for you was those ashes that were found. Yes. In you yes. know these professional guardians who take over people's lives and their belongings and have control over their money and all that mm-hmm. um, were, I mean, I guess April Parks got uh, 200 felony counts. You know, I read them and they really were like, she was stealing about 6,000 per ward. Um, yeah. She didn't, she didn't go crazy until she hit one lady and got her for 167,000. She and her husband. Wow. But but, you know, anyway, they, then they find – I'm just saying this for anybody who's tuning in who hasn't heard this story because most of us who know about all this know this story. It's famous. Yeah. Um, she uh, – <clears throat> she, the, 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 somebody who bought her storage unit after she was arrested found 27 boxes with ashes, or, you know, ashes yeah. in them. So well, my you know, question is this. My question is this. Marcia, Has anybody investigated to see that those ashes are are human ashes? Yeah, you know? or is it just because there's a lot of them cement. that use they use dry cement. Yeah. 
Yes. Yep. Yes. And so, uh, but you know what that's about, and I've talked about this before. Rebecca Furley did the same thing. We tried, as I've said that's many what I times, meant. we oh, tried yes, to that's out right. her. Yeah, ten years but, ago, and but she they, kept the urns in her office yes. on lighted glass shelves. And these yes. two women, in particular, are uh, symptomatic of what these guardians actually are, which is predators, and they're also serial killers, in my estimation, in my opinion. They're serial mm-hmm. killers, and like all serial killers, they want to keep trophies. And the ultimate yeah. trophy is a cremation urn, don't you think? But anyway, um, this right. is just, like I say, the devaluation of us as human beings is something that's really starting to concern me greatly. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got Washington State that now you can compost dead bodies, and they'll use it to put on agricultural fields. Thank you, no. Um, you can also really? uh, oh my have gosh, the body. I didn't yes, that. you can also have the Planted body put it. into a yes, and in a canvas. Planted under uh, a tree or something? <laughs> no, you put, they put it in a burlap bag with uh, fill and put the tree in there, and then as your body oh, decomposes, <laughs> supposedly fertilized. I'm telling you, this stuff is bizarre. I kind of like that idea. This, well, they're Just steadily kidding. conditioning the public to lower their standards, so to speak, to not be shocked by how gruesome and grotesque this stuff is. Now, I'm yeah, no fan I agree. of it. And TV, TV does it, you know, the violence on TV. Yes. And I, when I watch TV one night, I watched a, a movie with my son, and something like 200 people were shot in the movie. I mean, it's nuts. You know, it's just, yeah. But that's a different yeah, subject. It, that's a different subject. But it's yes. similar in that yes. it's desensitization. You're just desensitized. Yeah. And, right. And then, see, you, you tie that in with a hospice, uh, Marcia Joyner, you know, that does a show on hospice, yes. Betrayed by yeah. Hospice, here on DS Radio, has covered this extensively, um, what happens to people in hospice. And they are starved yeah. and dehydrated and drugged to death. And why? Yeah. Why would you do such a thing? Uh, they basically, they make money doing it. So it's like we've all, as I've said so many times, been commodified. We're not safe yeah. in the land of the living, and we're not even safe yeah. now when we kick off. Um, they're going to try and make a buck off was, It was shocking. Yeah. I was so shocked by this trade. I just, I just, uh, you know, and then, of course, I've read more about underground organ trading. Oh, this is really right. bad stuff. But I don't want to talk about yeah. that now because that's right. the topic, though. Um, yes, but yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. Most people, the thing is, I think anybody reading that 2017 investigation would just be going, oh my god, no, and just like yeah. I was. I think they would. Right. And that's why these things are hidden. You know, they're not hidden. Yeah. Uh, out of respect, they're hidden right. because nobody, they don't want you to know what they're doing. That's all. They just exactly. don't want you to know. Exactly. It's you know and, uh, if they were really uh, if they were really respect it have had respect they would be telling you what's going you know they would not yeah. be doing it number one or they would be doing it through better channels with and with more respect right. and the hope is that the more you expose it the more respect will be come to for people yeah. and their rights you know there you go but it's like those so with, two with people that they have on uh, life support. And they'll keep them on life support sometimes for years. And it isn't because 
they're going to revive her because they already know they're not, especially after all the stuff the, the medical industry has done to them. But they're waiting yeah. for a blood and tissue match. And when they get one, because yeah. that's big money, they'll pull the plug. All of a sudden, they've got to pull the There's no sense of going on. Yes. And um, we, we talked about that a lot with, like, Arlene when we were doing the dialysis shows, the dialysis advocates, and the need for body parts. And this is where the organ transplant and harvesting comes in. And that Dr. Byrne that we had on had attended one. He said he'd never go to another one because the patient is alive. And he said they can't give them anesthetic because that ruins the internal organs. They can't be used. But they give them a paralytic like they do in state executions. Those people oh, aren't wow. anesthetized. They're paralyzed. So they can't move. They can't scream out. But they feel everything. Well, in China, and, I hate to go into this, yeah. but in China what they did, they were discovered doing was um, – there's a there's a there's some there's so much interesting stuff written about what happened in China with the Uyghurs and the Fang what do they called um you know that religious sect yes uh, yeah the Fang Dong anyway they oh, yeah, uh, something like that yeah just discovered that what they were doing is they were you know when somebody wanted a kidney you know they gave blood tests to all these prisoners so they knew their blood types they knew you know and so international tourists were coming around. And uh, waiting for, you know, calling in, say, I need a kidney, I'm type A, blah, blah. And they'd say, well, we got one for you. And they'd execute the prisoner only what they would do. And I don't know how, how they've claimed to not be doing this anymore. But they, there were cases anyway that, that, you know, were witnessed by, and it's, all, it's on the Internet by reliable sources, not just, you know, some bit shoot thing. Uh, that what they would do is shoot them in the right side of the chest, which doesn't kill them, but it stuns them so that they're in shock. And then they just rip the heart out, you know, cut, rip, oh and they're alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they send the family a bill for the bullet. But, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we had, yeah. yeah. Uh, but this, this thing that they're doing on our organ harvesting, like I say, is they're doing what we do to ex- executing prisoners. Yeah, that's Dr. amazing. Byrne I didn't know said, that. Yeah, Dr. Burns said, he said, I attended one. He said, thinking the patient was dead, but he wasn't. Wow. And he started, he yeah. said, tears started running out of his eyes, and he raised one oh, arm up. Oh, no. Oh, come on. And, really? Uh, oh, that's awful. And oh, he said, no. He said, they just went, he said, I had to leave the room, but he said, they just went on like nothing happened. But he said, the yeah. patient is paralyzed but conscious most times and here they're wow. eviscerating them and i you know i oof, i can only take so much but this is how we have been devalued and the public is being steadily steadily brainwashed into accepting yeah. this yeah and yeah. then you see all these efforts for euthanasia and self-suicide and this and that and something else and hang on marcia we got a caller here hold on a second okay Okay, hang on. If I can get this queued up. Yes, area code 773. You're live and on the air. Yes, good evening, Marty. This is Aldona. Uh, yes. I would like, yes, my mom was under guardianship, uh, which also my family paid more money, so my mom would be storage uh, in the funeral home for three more months. And in the meantime, judge cremated my mom. We didn't know oh, wow. about it, and and she 
in the papers that we allow them to do with the body what they want. And yep. Yep. And yeah, you, that's you said pretty good. And we yep. don't know right now if uh, if what what happened. Did they send half of the body to the student to the clinic? Yes. Right. Right. Yeah. We, I'm also from and they Poland. Don't have to... You're from yeah. Poland. Yes, uh, I am. I yeah, was born I in Poland. And uh, uh, right now, I saw on Facebook uh, there is a boy in England, Archie. I, mm-hmm. He's 12 years old. He wanted my. I think he wanted my suicide, and the judges want to take the plug out from him. He's four oh, months yes. in coma. And, yes, uh, I, so I, I saw that. News. Online, I posted online, and everybody's kind of put me down that he should die. Uh, what kind of life he would have even if he would come out. I would like to mention in Poland, we have clinic called the uh, alarm clock and this clinic uh, uh, takes people in coma uh, and people, people, kids, uh, mostly kids, I think, they, they in the clinic, but they wake up. Uh, there, is, uh, there was also actress twin daughter 10 years in coma, and she wake up maybe That's two right. years ago, maybe a year ago. She is yeah. functioning. So this boy, Archie, they're not giving him chance. I know Italy and uh, Japan won't take him, but I don't understand how people are uh, so give up so easily. And I even posted yeah. that one of his own well, friends. The mom, That's why the mom, Archie's mom is fighting like hell. She wants to, yeah. he says yeah. he's only been in a coma for four months. What are you doing? And so she's yeah. fighting this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about it, what kind, of, kind of life will they have? Uh, excuse me. That isn't for you to what determine. What business is it of yours? Yeah. Yes. What kind of life they will really? have. Uh, and you don't know. It's, it's, everything's a possibility. And to deny somebody life because you don't think it's important for them to go on is a pretty low life reason, I think. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's, ooh, good God, what have we got into? I mean, part of it, part of it is that I think the um, medical community, at least, you know, when my um, ex-husband was dying and I was with him for the last couple of years, um, you know, they, they asked, he had been, he had aspirated and then got pneumonia twice, but a few antibiotics, he was back at home, you know, third time yeah. they said, now, your husband was a Nobel laureate, right? I said, yes. They said, well, is he producing up to speed now? I mean, is he, do, is he really living that productive a life now? And I hit the roof. Oh, I wow. I hit the roof. Because they wanted, to, wanted me to sign a DNR. And I called right. his lawyer. And I said, you got to take care of this. This is really bad. And so he basically had the, you know, the hospitalist was talking to me and stuff. And the conversation stopped. It was really the most offensive thing I've ever encountered. And the truth is, the doctor was just doing what he thought was best. But what they think is best is to put you out of your misery, even if you don't want to be put out of your misery. And that's not right. Right. No, it isn't. And And, And Murray wanted full code, meaning I remember I took his our our uh, private doctor we both had the same one and he's like this really cool guy he actually does home visits and everything and he came over and he said to murray look murray you know when 
you do full code, they have to try to revive you for 30 minutes, even if they break your bones and your chest and all this stuff. And he said, do you want that? And Murray said, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. He wanted to live no matter what. Yeah. You know, yeah. and here oh, they are yeah. telling. Then yeah. all of a sudden well, they're down. telling him. And he, oh, and down he down. had full Thank code. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. Thank you for doing a great job with your show. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Take care. Appreciate it. Sorry about your mom. That was so sad. Thank you. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, one of those. Yeah, that was a terrible experience. Yes. You know, people are always saying how healthcare is pressuring people over to 75 to just you know, let them, let them go if they end up in the hospital. That's what I found out. I found yeah. out that if you go to the hospital and you're over 75, because I asked a male nurse about this. The male uh-huh. nurse said, yeah, at about 75, they start asking those questions. How productive is your yeah. life? You know, how, you know, or yeah. her life, Well, that one doctor uh, got on CNN and outwardly said, this was here last year, he said <laughs> he was all for euthanasia and forced euthanasia. And he said, nobody should want to live beyond 75. There's no reason for it. Excuse me. Uh, you go first, Doc. You go first. He, and, he, he uh, was a guy, I, I believe he was from Harvard, and there was a big article about that guy. I think it was in the Atlantic. And he just believes uh-huh. that you lived here prime till he's 75 and just forget it. So it's partly out of his own uh, belief system, having been a doctor, yeah. believing that people really are at their, they really decline after 75, according to this guy. So, and they did all this research to show it and all that. Yeah. But what if, you know, that doesn't matter. Yeah, so what? So <sighs> what if you decline? Yeah. You start declining the minute you're born. Uh, That's that, right. So what? So what? That's just life. And uh, if you, you know what my father is, point. My father pointed out to me once, he said, you know, I was about 16, he was twice my age, and he said, you know, you're aging twice as fast as I am. <laughs> and I thought, oh, oh wow. Because, you know, that's the way the body, that's, that's, I just was like, really? You know, but yeah. so you're slowing down when you're older, just leave yeah. people alone. Yeah. yeah, you do slow down. I mean, you just, it's just a natural process. You know, I can't do what I did 10 years ago, but that doesn't mean I mm-hmm. can't do anything. And um, yeah, but it's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, this but I, there, There's so a sad. callousness there. There's a callousness and a disconnection from humanity. Um, yeah. You know, there, there's just a disconnect there. And it concerns me because it's getting worse. And these young people, Marsha. Their their attitude is well, you know, you had a good life, and you know, and yeah. you're using up resources that we need. Well, I'm the one that helped put those resources there. Do you mind? And um, yeah, right. Excuse me, I paid into know. my social security. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, I uh, I earned that. But these younger these younger people, thirty and below, have this whole idea, and I guess they think they're going to live forever. Um, that this whole idea that you should just be more than glad to exit prematurely uh, because yeah. it would benefit them. And so what? Yeah. You know, what are you going to do? And, <clears throat> you know, that, that they don't understand that as you age, 
there's a richness of your life that accompanies that. That's and, correct. Uh, and you have so much you know, to teach other younger people. You really yeah. do. Like, look at you and Sophia, your granddaughter. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. it's you're just there for her and and uh, mentoring her. And, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about yes. connecting, not 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 separating, not not chopping relationship up or bodies or chopping up yes. people's connections to the world and to right. their jobs and to their, you know, and this whole this whole uh, COVID lockdown thing has done so much mm-hmm. to actually chop people away from yeah. their social connections. I mean, it took me, yes. and now I'm back up and running, but I'm telling you, for two years I was isolated pretty much because I didn't do the booster shots. I, I kind of woke up after two vaccines and I had a terrible reaction to the second one. And my doctor said, oh my you, you really probably shouldn't do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually had, and nobody believes this, but my doctor actually said he had two other people in his office taking the same medications that I am. They yeah. had it too. I had temporary blindness where it just blacked out. I blacked out. I wasn't passed out, right? I was just sitting yeah. there and everything went black. And then for about 15 seconds, and I'd had that happen to me. Once before, when I tried chemotherapy, therapy, which I ultimately did not do because I thought it, I realized this is poison. You know, yes. my body just said, don't do it. So I didn't. But yes. I went temporary, temporarily blind when I was at a restaurant uh, for th- about two minutes, two or three minutes. Mm-hmm. And it came back kind of like a opening of a camera lens you know like how it gradually yeah. opens and like and it was the most scary thing and i and i you know so it's just i just feel like i uh, you know it's it's the intrusiveness of modern technology yes. where it really it's not the way it used to be where you get a little bit of a virus and then you build an immunity to it yeah. this is just something different and you know while i know the science i mean i I have scientists in my family and they really do say that the science behind this is amazing but i don't want to behind what and they've been working on it for years but i'm still not a lab rat yeah the science behind what is amazing the the rna vaccination yeah the people who are really yeah what i've found out about that is um, even though it is a very, what do I want to say, exciting avenue, the fact of the matter is it is very damaging to the human body. Yeah. And yeah. the vaccine out with is not things. a vaccine. Yeah, it's not a vaccine. Yeah. The head of, former head of CEO of Pfizer. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, Marsha, I'm sorry. Marty has her little granddaughter who has to be the and cutest thing yeah, ever. She she's kind of, when I call Marty, she's, she's there in the background going, dancing and going, okay. ta-da, ta-da. It's the cutest thing ever. But yeah, it just seems like, uh, uh, it, it seems as if, you know, there's a lot of double think, like 1984. It couldn't be truer that you're getting two messages at once all the time, many messages yes. at once. Well, uh, you know that what I was you're getting you lies on the surface. Okay. Oh, the CEO of Pfizer, yeah, yeah, said that it isn't really a vaccine. 
He was former CEO. He had quit because he said he couldn't deal with this. And he said, it isn't mm-hmm. really a vaccine. It's gene therapy. And he said, yeah. look at it like an onboard operating system, kind of like what's in your computer. Well, I don't want that in my mm-hmm. body, but it has a magnetized no. protein in it that is receptive to 5G. And um, 5G is not to make your YouTube load faster. It is a retrofitted military weapon. And so yeah, think about I, that. I wouldn't, you know, I'm not, I'm yeah. not utterly, I'm not totally convinced, but I'm anything is possible, Marty. Yeah. And, you know, it really is. And, you know, for example, here's, here's something that'll creep you out. I just read that Tesla, you know, they have yeah. all these fancy software programs and stuff. Well, in one of their cars, I don't know whether they're still doing it, but in, I heard of one model, which in order to upgrade your software, you had to pay for it. So, ah. you know, they still got you. After you buy the car, yeah. you, they've still got yeah. you. The salespeople, sti- they're still going to make money off you. Even though yes. you just bought a car, you think the transaction's over. I mean, think of the possibilities of that when it comes to the human body and putting, you know, whatever, yes. you know, whatever software or whatever they're going to do. You, you know, know I don't know how. Marsha, my question is this. How many research activities uh, do you have to engage in on the same body parts, you know, that you get from all these places? What is it you're looking for that you haven't already found? See, that's what I I don't get. You talked about how this started in the beginning and they've been studying and hacking up bodies Mm -hmm. forever. And they've kicked it into hyperdrive now. What could they possibly be looking for that isn't already known to them? Here's an example. Um, you know, when somebody, okay, my father, for example, he was one of the very first, I think maybe the first, there's a little plaque about him, about all this, somewhere in the medical school. And it's, it's that he, he, spines had always been operated on from the back, from the neck, you know, from the back. He was the first who said, wait a minute, this, you know, he knew the three dimensions of the body, three-dimensional kind of mind that could spatialize, you know, do spatial. Uh, he had an incredible spatial memory. And so he said, no, it really should be going in the front. We should just work through the front of the neck because there's much less damage. It's much safer. So what do they do? They have to get cadavers to practice that new Surgery. All the students who are going into orthopedic medicine have to do that. They have to practice that over and over to get it right. Oh, well. You can't just say, okay, here's how to yeah. do it and then give them a body. So this training, this need for anatomical parts is huge. You know, there, there is nothing wrong with wanting to support science. I really believe in that. Right. I, I think the medical, medical miracles have happened. You know, I've watched my father do these amazing things. I have great, both my brothers are doctors. They're also academic doctors. And, uh, you know, so I have great respect for it. And, you know, it's interesting because my brother, who was an expert in PTSD, and he was the first, um, his team, research team, was the first to discover that PTSD wasn't just emotional, wasn't just kind of psychological. It actually had created, when you had a, a, a traumatic event, it actually changed your neurology. And so they studied wow. that and they did all these experiments. And, you know, they found that if you administered one, one medication, you know, they were trying to experiment with how to help, right? 
you did right. one medication, the 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 uh, all of a sudden the patient would suddenly have the flashbacks. So they knew that wow. there was something biochemical that triggers it, and so they just did all this study on it. And one of his big things was the fact that doctors do not receive any training on suffering, don't understand. You know, they know that patients yeah. are suffering, but they're looking at them, they're very, they're, they're feeling it, and they really feel sorry for this pain. They care about this patient a lot, but they've mm-hmm. become, um, you know, they have to distance themselves from it emotionally. And so, as you say, they're cal- they, there's a callousness. I mean, yes. My dad was, when it came to the human body, he was just, I don't know, it wasn't like it was for us. It just wasn't, you know. Yeah. Home movies would have slides of operations. Oh, look, I put this hip in, you know. I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah, good Lord. I mean, I grew up in a really, it was very strange. And yet, these, my brother and my father have both done just amazing things for people. My brother just worked his little heart out. And right when he was dying, a week before he was dying, he was writing on how important social connectedness is. And he was studying, his team had studied the uh, the physiological things that happen due to isolation. Uh-huh. One being that it triggers a part of the of the brain that is near the the part that triggers physical pain. Only this is a different wow. kind of pain, but it's just as real. In other words, yeah. it's just as powerful. It's just as damaging. And elders who are isolated, people who are isolated, it's more dangerous than uh, smoking. It's more dangerous than obesity. And yet, uh, you know, here we are isolating. Guardians yeah. are isolating people. And, and, you know, I do think that the science of isolation, we, you know, you know, our team has always... Yeah been trying to change laws on isolation, right? So that guardians right. can't do that. They have to go to the court. They can be penalized or whatever, you know, whatever. And uh, we did that in, the, I guess, eight states, eight or nine. But now with the science behind it, I think the science right. does change, will change the attitude toward that because, you know, it's just inhumane and people don't quite, they really aren't, just to give people some credit. I don't think right. people really know sometimes what the effect of what they do is. They just don't. Well, they, they I, you know, it, dissociate, I, they I dissociate. But see, the like the UN's Convention Against Torture, one of the first things mentioned is the prohibition on isolation because it has such a devastating psychological yes. effect. It is considered a crime against humanity. Yes. And yes. It, it, what it does yes. to the, a human being, we need contact. Uh, Marcel, our good friend, asked me one time, she said, do you know why uh, in, like, uh, neighborhoods where there's a concentration of elderly people, there are so many, like, uh, manicure shops, nail shops, things like that? And I said, no. Mm -hmm. She said, because they can get – it's very important that your feet, your hands, and your forearms are have come in contact with other human beings. There's a chemical reaction that takes place. Yeah. And she said, this is – this is – That makes sense. The only place – that some of these people, many of these people, have any human contact. She said, yeah. and without it, yeah. she said they wither up and they die. And oh yeah, the, the, oh, the mortality rate. By the way, they yeah. uh, it, it has been discovered that the metal- mortality rate, as a result of social disconnectedness and loneliness, and 
uh, and uh, isolation is oh, huge. It's something like, I don't know, I, I yes. wish I had statistics, but it's far higher than if you have social connectedness, you know? Right. And, so uh, you, you know, he was, my brother was working on that, you know? Yeah. He was working on that and he social. was working on suffering. He wanted people, he wanted the compassion. Uh, I, he wanted to teach doctors how to have compassion, how you have right. to be trained in it. If you're going to, if you're going to, like my, my dad was in, in Korea and he um, basically operated on bodies on a ship all day. They'd come in and they'd say, here comes a whistler because they had so many body, uh, they had so many holes in them, right? He's only yeah. told me about that once, but you know, you, you can't, you can't stop and cry over everybody because you're trying to help them. You're desperately trying to help them. But in the, in the process of that, and also the red tape for doctors is now out of, out of, out of sight. So, you know, they need training in how to reconnect to the right. person in front of them. And that's what he was well, working on. And I think that's, that's what, that's another, another one of those things that, that has changed in, in recent years. The family doctor used to be part of the family, so to speak. Um, you went to them for yeah. everything. You trusted them implicitly. But now your family doctor or the doctor you see, because many times you don't get to see the same doctor. You get routed through mm-hmm. the clinic. Um, mm-hmm. The doctor you see is just absolutely uh, compassionless. They and they're. I know. Many times obnoxious and insulting, and um, more people I've talked to, more people, Marsha, that have said, you know, unless I'm feeling like I'm going to die within the next five minutes, I won't go to the doctor. And particularly if they're over sixty, I'm not going to the hospital. And recently, yeah. when I had to go to the emergency room, they wanted to keep me overnight. I refused, and the doctor asked me why. He said, yeah. "Why won't you just stay overnight, Marty?" And I said, "Because this is a dangerous place for someone my age to be." True. I said, my chances of coming out of here in anything other than a body bag are about nil and none. And he just <laughs> yeah, looked at yeah. well, you know. Um, I know. I had a friend down well, there I in Houston contracted, who's I can who's uh, I contracted. Uh, a, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, oh. my friend down in Houston, the, his apartment was backed by one of the big hospitals down there. He could see across this area to where this hospital was. And he said almost every other day a semi pulls up, and he said they start rolling bodies out. He said, what the hell's mm. going on? And I said, and they're probably old people. But the disrespect for the elderly, one yeah. of the things when I was growing up, and I think you too, was you respected your elders, and you, um, you grandma and grandpa were the end-all, be-all, you know. Yes. And oh, the stories yes. they would tell you, and they lived through what we were being taught at the time was history. And um, yes, but they had a little different take on it. And but they they carried this uh, generational knowledge with them. And they would tell you these things, you know, you'd sit and talk and they'd tell you these things. And this is the one thing I found out with my granddaughters when I raised them. And in school, when that one teacher told me um, she'd appreciate it if I limited my conversations at home because she had a curriculum to teach and she didn't like some of the things my kids were hearing. And um, what the I said, hell? Well, that is yeah. that yeah. is she, terrible. Yeah. And I told her, I said, I'll talk to them about whatever I choose. But see, we always used the computer and looked up historical documents and reports yeah. and things like that. Yeah. So it wasn't like yeah. something I was just telling them. And um, right. But 
they want that generational knowledge stopped. They don't want us telling these kids yeah. it wasn't always this way. It right. wasn't. I can remember getting out of high school and thinking how lucky I was mm-hmm. being in this country because there were jobs. Everybody wanted to go to work for the post office. It paid good. Yes, compared to everybody the post else. office is good. Yes, yeah, the post office yes. is really good. And <laughs> that you know we were this this super great country and we were all free and everything. We didn't know that we weren't. But it, they didn't hadn't tightened down on us like they have now, and um, yeah, it was sort of, but, sort of behind yeah, the scenes, it, you know. Yes, it, and this, it just makes when you come across stuff like this. I'm sorry to interrupt. When it comes across, when it comes to things like this, it just seems like the more I dig about any one topic, that I think my little spidey sense, you know, like yeah. Spider-Man sense, goes off. And I start digging, and then you just find out that beneath what you think is fine and everything, you begin to find out that there's all this below-the-surface thing, yes. stuff going on. And there's so much of that going on in government and so forth. It's just, it's just uh, you know, so you know yeah. that these systems exist. They, they exist. It mm-hmm. exists. And uh, the body broker problem is 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 just another example of how rampant this kind of uh, deception is yeah. and how things well, seem you know, one way and they're not. You you remember the movie Soylent Green. People talk about that a lot yes. where they were actually, yes. you know, people could go Eating. in and, and yes. get get killed and they would grind them up and make those wafers out of them. The green wafers. Yep. That's what they were feeding the population. Yep. And at the time, that movie was such a shocker, and of course, indelibly so, because it still resonates in a large yes, portion of the population. And yeah, it's a lot like 1984. But, you know, it's that too. Yeah. That kind of book has yes. really, you know. Yes, and amazing. you see, we're we're standing on the precipice of this. All of this mm-hmm. dumbing down, and all of this uh, desensitizing. And the encouragement for death and, you know what I'm saying, you're in my way. Yes. You've used up enough stuff, so get out of here. Um, yeah. It, it has gotten to such a level that I don't, and I know it sounds facetious to say it, and I don't mean it that way. But it has gotten to the point I'm really concerned they're going to start doing this to some degree. We're already using aborted fetal cells in vaccines and other medications, uh, many food products have aborted fetal cells in them to enhance flavor, uh, mostly yeah. condiments, mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, all of those. And but those are, uh, those are, yeah, that's true. But it was eons ago that, you know, it's like one cell from way back or something. I don't know. I've read, tried to read about it. I don't want to read it. I've read yeah. that it, these are very, uh, that was, it's like a, what's the word for it? It's one cell that was, that was, you know, grown into other cells. It wasn't like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It was third, <laughs> I, I 3,000 3, generations from the original thing. It's still creepy. Well, well, the thing is, they'll put anything out there like it, but that cell originated in an aborted baby. And uh, yeah. that's my concern. What are you doing hacking up aborted babies and taking any cells? Right. But then, of course, yes. the other thing, too, that I think they're looking for here. Uh, there is a lady named, and I think it's, her last name is Hila, mm-hmm. black lady. Mm-hmm. They talk a lot of times about using Hila cells 
she was a black lady, and they noticed when they got samples and stuff from her, they didn't the cells didn't die. And um, they are, yeah, and they used her cells. Hela cells are still used in many many things. They don't die. And there's a black family too whose father, um, the same thing they found with him. Cells don't die, and they just keep regenerating. And um, but uh, there are people out what there like to the that. What happened to the lady? Well, she did die. She was quite old, but it, the body can die, but these cells don't. Okay, the, the certain cells out of the body don't die, and um, they just keep regenerating. But you know, there's a lot for what we know. What has been exposed? What's been stumbled upon? Uh, all of this, what we don't know, what's still hidden, I think, is the stuff of nightmares. These people are ghouls. They are. Oh, the worst here's the story thing. about her. Here's here's okay. the story about her. Okay. Uh, okay. And it is from New Scientist. I like that that publication. It's kind yep. of wild, but I like I it. Um, Henrietta Lacks was her name. Uh-huh. Was an African American woman whose cancer cells were taken in. 1951 without her or her family's permission and used to generate the HeLa cell line, the world's first immortalized human cell line. So they took out cells and they regenerated them and regenerated them. It wasn't like all Mm -hmm. of her cells could regenerate. They just took these cells and regenerated them. And then she she had cervical cancer and died at Johns Hopkins in 1951. Wow. There's a, there's a black man too, and I can't remember his name, and I'm sorry that I can't. Um, wow, that's cool. I mean, him. that that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah. There's there's nothing they won't do, and that that really that's what's frightening. Me. Yeah, yes. where are the limits? And who? Yes, there aren't any. You know, and there's some there's some really good uh, scientists out there who who are involved in robotics and all this cutting edge virtual reality and all this stuff and they're concerned they're really concerned about the future because they don't think that there is enough enough training in ethics there's just not enough nobody's sitting saying wait a minute wait a minute what's happening here exactly you know exactly and that's that's i think what i was trying to get there's and, and there's no respect for human life uh, everybody has looked at as an, a, a potential experiment, something that can be profited from. Uh, we, as I keep saying, we've been commodified from birth to death now. Yes. We've been commodified. Yes. Any time money can be made, it will happen. That's why yes. the environment is so bad, you know? That's why, you yep. know? I mean. Okay. Well, there um, you go. Wow. Um, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Marcia. Oh, my goodness. I... You know, and and, and it, yeah, I was just talking to a friend last night about robotics, what what was going on in the you know she's a scientist and she actually wrote an article on the the UCLA scandal. You know, and I happened to see her yesterday and she was telling me about a robotic dog that had been built in Japan that is really scary. It's you it's it's as a predator free war, I guess. There you know the whole it is. So scary. I'm looking at a picture of it. It's called Monster Wolf Robot. Take a look at that. The idea that humans are making things like this is just just unbelievable. It is. It brought Dr. Oh, they're using the dog. Yeah, they're, yes. Yes. 
Yeah. Anyway, they're using him to scare bears, but you know that doesn't. Oh. Uh, that's not where nah. that's going. That's not going there. No. No. You know what uh, I'm saying? Just, that's what I mean. Yeah. It starts off one way. All right. Yeah. You know, it starts off one way, and then somebody figures out a way to exploit it, that, and right. then it evolves you know, in this exploitative way that's just so scary to me. Years ago, um, I was had done a series of interviews for. He's a show host. He's passed away, but he was quite well known at the time, Gary Brownfield, and he dealt with agricultural issues. And I was working with, with agriculture at that time. And um, but uh, after one of the shows, and I kept saying it something about them. They're bastardizing the food supply. It's it's not the way it's supposed to be. There's no nutrition. Most of the time, it's tasteless. But they claim, oh, we produce more of it. And um, but I had a man call me, and he was out in Arizona, and he said, I'm living in a little trailer, he said, a long time beside the Sedona Desert. And he said, I'm probably days away from dying. He had been a scientist at Fort Didrick. He said, I wow. heard you talking on Gary's show. He said about the Egyptian cartouches, the pictographs, you know, and he said, mm-hmm. uh, he said, you're on the mark, but he said, let me tell you, the the bulk of those you will never see the story they reveal and he said um, uh, you, uh, he said the picture you said you brought up the cartouche he said about the man walking going left and he's just mm-hmm. walking behind him it's the same man but his head's cut off and blood squirting out of the neck hole and he said then the third one is the man walking with the dog's head I said yes and he said they're, they're telling a story, and he said, at Dietrich, they're doing the same thing. And he said, sometimes these creatures live two or three days, and they're in anguish and agony. And he said, a yeah. lot of these guys thought it was funny. He said, I didn't. And he said, me and a couple other guys left. But he said, you keep an eye on Fort Dietrich, because he said, you talk about a shop of horrors. He said, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. telling, telling yeah. you, he said, out there, he said, is... Uh, he said the things that are done in that place, he said, are just unspeakable. And that's always haunted me. You know, they're the ones that came out with the anthrax and all of that, you know, yeah. they sipped out yeah. the anthrax. And, um, yeah. But it just, yeah. But, um, and you don't see much about Fort Detrick. You know, they keep the lid on it pretty good. But it's just um, awful. Yeah. I don't, there's terrible things going on. And, you know, Marsh, it makes me wonder, like I say, what's going on that we don't know anything about? You know, that That's they haven't what's sprung scary. on yet. And yeah. especially because technology is evolving so damn fast. I mean, yes. you know, so it's almost like, uh, you know, when I, you know, there are a lot of scientists around here. And my husband was a scientist, so I know a lot of scientists and talk to them. And it's like a different language. And not, yeah. And there is no way that the ordinary person can keep up with this. Or even yeah. know what's going on, right? You know, right. So it's, and, uh, it's it's a little bit scary. Yes, it is because you may you wonder you know what they got planned for us, and they obviously have placed place no value on us as human beings or as a you know even a countryman. It doesn't seem that uh, way. I don't think everybody's no. like that, but I think I think there's a there's a machinery at work that really isn't good, and it's we've got to yeah. turn it around. It's just really bad. There you I go. just you know what I mean? It's like well, we got machinery about, yeah. operating. And it's We're kind of on about, its own. There, without anybody's oversight. And, right. Um, it's just doing itself. Yeah. 
it's now self doing it's doing itself it's on automatic pilot right yes yes that's scary yeah um we're going to do about this is about another four minutes here marcia and we'll close this down for the evening but i do want to have you back on um okay and follow up into where else what else you find out on this yeah yeah uh, i'm gonna dig further yeah and i'll see what i can find too but uh, okay, this this stuff is making my stomach turn over. It really is. Uh, this is scary. Just I didn't sleep last night after researching all <laughs> this. I did not sleep all night. I haven't slept for about three nights, so I need sleep. Yeah, Ugh. it this <laughs> no. is just absolutely. Yeah, just it's absolutely, very upsetting. It's the stuff of nightmares. You don't. And think I in, apologize in the, to anyone in the audience who I should have warned you that this stuff is really so awful um i hope you just turned it off if you didn't like if you couldn't take it because it's just you know and and uh you know people just don't believe that this can happen but we need you to know that it does things like this are going on they really are going on and you just can't not talk about it yeah you You just you know (laughs) that's the whole thing it it, you know it was just brought up um cause just sent me a message about um uh, who will make the first human clone? They've already done that. And um, one of the things, like when Kennedy was assassinated, there was a mm-hmm. massive fight over that man's brain and body tissue. I bet. And, you know, uh, Einstein the same way. Yeah. Um, they had massive battle over the brain and body tissue. And the idea that, you know, they don't want it for any other reason than how can they profit from it? What can they come up with to utilize this? Um, I yeah. just, I don't know. This is, this is just absolutely, the stuff that scares me to death. Um, I want to tell everybody too, I've been ill the last month, and I had two trips to the emergency room, and the first one was okay, but the second one, the doctor was just a jackass. And the first thing he what said happened? to me was, well, he said, uh, <clears throat> well, just came in there and he says, we're going to, we're going to swab you for COVID. I said, no, you're not. And he said, what? I said, don't run that bony crap on me. And he got really upset. And I finally told him to leave the room. The man was so annoying and obnoxious. And I asked him, I said, you treat everybody this way or is it just me? And, um, but he was just, just a horse's ass. But when you go in, you have the right to refuse um, mm-hmm. on admission on admission, they'll say, you know, uh, fill this out and sign this and sign on the little plate out there. And it's just a standard admission form. Tell them to print you off a hard copy. Yeah. And you're not yes. signing anything you can't read first. Their standard admission form says that you agree to biologics being used on you, which is the inclusion of vaccines and blood research work, among Are many you other serious? things. Yes. And um, Holy so I crap, always, I didn't know that. Yeah, and the the one lady said, she says, well, you have to fill this out and you have to sign it. I said, no, I don't. I said, uh, you're asking for my financial history. It's none of your business. And I said, um, uh, I don't have to sign anything that That's I can't read. That's scary. They, had, they wanted to know your financial. What, what? Yeah, to make sure I could pay the bill. Yes, and, um, right. Yeah, but what they're doing is they're scouting. And, yeah. Um, you know, that's exactly what they're doing. But when you go in and go into the hospital, do not blindly sign some what they call standard 
admission form. Admission? Don't do it. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That and, is very uh, interesting. Their intake, yeah. Don't do it. Make them give you a hard copy. Sign that. Tell them yes. to scan it in. You'll keep the original. And um, yes. But don't don't do that. You're you're being set up. You don't even know it. But, well, I mean, um, that's what happens in the body broker business. They get yes. a grieving family who can't afford a funeral, and they say, here, yes. sign this, and we'll give you a free cremation, mm-hmm. and you'll there be you a go. hero, you know? Yeah. And then they yep. sign, and then later, if you look at the small print, there's all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. We can use the body well, any way we want. Yeah, all that. this is what, basically what this says, and I always write on it, uh, the no vaccines of any kind whatsoever for any reason. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I do not believe in them at all, and I don't care what the rest of you think. <laughs> That's my opinion, and I stick to it. Um, yeah. You cannot make yourself well by in, in, intentionally infecting yourself with disease. Now, it just doesn't yeah. work. Think about it logically. But anyway, we're going to close this down, and okay. I want to do this again. I want to do a follow-up, Marcia. You bet. So okay, let me know we when will. And All everybody right. that tuned in, thank you so much. We just had a gigantic audience tonight. Oh, great. I do appreciate it, yes. And uh, obviously yes. there's great interest in this, so we'll be doing more. Everybody have a good, good. evening. Thank you, Marcia. Okay. And good night, everyone. Thank you, Marty. Okay, good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.